Welcome to Flashlight Podcast, where we aim to shine a light into all your favorite songs through conversations with artists on how music has helped them through hard times. Hi guys, I'm Wesley Price. I am a jazz folk singer-songwriter from San Diego, California, and I'm super excited to be here. I would say that I've just kind of been surrounded by music ever since I was a little kid. My, my dad is a musician. And so my dad and my mom have just kind of always imparted their knowledge of music and their love for music onto my sisters and I. We have a very musical household. My older sister is also a songwriter. She plays guitar. And my little sister is a very talented musician, but she just, she doesn't put anything out right now, but she should. But um, yeah, I think it's just always been a part of my life. I would always listen to my parents' CDs growing up, like a lot of Stevie Wonder and the Beatles mostly. And I think that those two artists specifically have been very, very informative of my music now and my, my approach to music now. So when I was 14, I would make YouTube videos and they're all private now. But like some people remember that and I would post original music there. And so I'd been writing songs and I'd been putting stuff on Bandcamp. But when I started posting on TikTok, I had, it was like after I had taken just kind of a lot of time off and I was only just kind of writing for myself because mostly because I was in school, like I started, you know, literally high school. And then I started posting on TikTok after I had graduated. So it was just the sort of thing where I had a bunch of original music and I saw and I really enjoyed content from other songwriters who were posting on TikTok. And I was like, this looks like it would be a good thing for me to do. And so I posted it. I think the thing I was most nervous about was like, I was getting views for doing kind of like random stuff. Like I made this video of me like beeping the intro to No Surprises by Radiohead. And then I started posting original music on that account. And I thought people would like kind of be confused as to what direction that account was going in and how seriously it should be taken or not. But I'm actually, I'm ultimately really glad that I decided to consolidate the two because I had actually had a second account where I would post music. And that one, I just posted like a couple songs on there and then I was like no I'll just put them on my main account because that one's kind of getting views right now and so I did that and so I'm very happy with how that turned out so yeah yeah I feel like I would be really nervous posting clips of myself singing just in terms of like how the response would be but it's kind of cool that it built from it's weird because with TikTok you can post just the randomest things and it will gain traction and the videos that you try really hard on will often flop oh my god absolutely I just posted a video of like Nathan Fielder and like is rumored to be in a relationship or something so I just posted a video of that tweet with my song playing like last week and it did like very very well Like it got more views than the original video of that song, which did really well. And I was like, wow. So it's great. I don't, yeah, I don't understand the algorithm and like what it favors. And I I think TikTok, everyone is just, it's just a big game of trying to figure out what the algorithm favors and you're never going to figure it out. 
Do you feel like TikTok's played a role though in your music career? Oh my God, absolutely. Like I think, I think the bulk before Loose Fitting Bedsheet, like the initial video got a lot of views on TikTok. People weren't really listening to my music that much. I mean, also that song wasn't out. Um, but I just, I had like 30 monthly listeners or something, you know? So it's definitely, definitely played a role. With that said, though, I try to not have it influence how I write or like how I decide what's going to be marketable, um, just because I think you can't do that. I think it would be very, very stressful and like you can't place so much onto something like a social media platform. You know what, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense because I feel like there's a trend now of writing for trends and it's tough it yeah. comes both from the artist but also from like management and other people in the industry yeah. labels pushing you to have your song yeah. blow up because it's such a way to get traction but then also takes yeah. away from the artistry of oh absolutely that's why I'm so lucky that I'm not signed to anyone's label that no one wanted to sign me it's all part of the plan I'm kidding no I was gonna say is that something that you feel like helps your creativity or is the goal too well I mean there's labels that you can work with that would still foster your creativity and give you flexibility how does that impact your process of putting out music just being independent in that sense I think it's probably like best case scenario like I think that there's not really pressure anymore on being signed to a label and I also think that for me any label that would want me at this point in time would kind of associate me with like one song and they're like oh she she knows how to have a song do well on TikTok and then they would push me to do that and I feel like that would feel very very much like it stifles my creativity and so yeah like I I really like just being able to put things out on my own terms with that said I don't have that experience with the alternative and it could be amazing like I think it's probably um good to have a team I would assume you know but um I I don't feel like I'm like there's some sort of label or team that could do you know something more than I'm doing creatively if that makes sense like I wouldn't want to really I don't know that that last part didn't make sense but no I think I think I like not being signed to a label with that said if any label wanted to sign me they should contact me promptly with an offer but no (laughs) it's weird it's weird though because I think people do sign artists off TikTok expecting them to like make TikTok hits as if that's like sustainable because it's just like not you know yeah it's a way of commoditizing the artistry oh absolutely and that's the other thing especially with music like the genre of music I make and the genre that like a lot of my like friends who like are also songwriters like in that like circle like it's very very vulnerable and I think that you enter kind of like a dangerous territory with that like yeah like the commodification of to say the commodification of sadness sounds like maybe reductive because it's like the music isn't only representative of sadness but it's like I think it would eventually make you feel like you need to put your kind of like bleeding heart out onto social media to get any sort of traction and so that's something that I would want to put up um, a boundary 
before before feeling inclined to do if that makes sense you know Mm -hmm. yeah I think there's a big thing too nowadays of putting out Mm -hmm. a sample of your songs on TikTok to see you'll see artists be like my my management like it tells me that I have to make this into a trend before I can put it out and it's like it almost ruins the beauty of just listening to a song that like you said can be very vulnerable and you want to put it out as almost like an art piece in itself as a song and yet you have to break it up to cater to social media absolutely and it's like I kind of I think that there's a lot of my music that isn't like if a huge audience were to hear it they wouldn't be like oh yeah like this is totally my vibe you know what I mean and that's okay because I write it for me I mean I'm really glad that people enjoy it when they do enjoy it but yeah I think to put yourself out there and to beg everyone to to like fuck with it like that just I just I couldn't handle it I think it's really cool that there are people who can handle that but I just feel like that must be so draining after a certain point how do you manage it where you're at now in terms of posting a lot of your music on TikTok writing a lot of original tracks that you're sharing with an audience but also protecting your own emotions and protecting yourself from just the absolute dangers of putting yourself out (laughs) online honestly okay so I have always said this and I think that the internet should be the place where we go to lie like okay so my music is very honest obviously right but like I'm not talking about what it means like obviously I'll come like to you know environments like this where it's like I'm being asked to to explain it like I would explain it here but to put it out there and be like this is a song I wrote after I got absolutely like devastated by my situationship in high school like without people asking like I just I don't do that because if it didn't if it like doesn't take and worst case scenario if people reject it and are mean to me about it that would be terrible like I I already have like a tough enough time dealing with like the very very surface level criticism I get of my music like if a song like kind of does well they're like this is mid and I'm like oh my god (laughs) you think it's mid like I can't like it does affect me personally and like I, I I assume that bigger creators have kind of grown a thicker skin but I am no such creator so like it I take it all really personally so I think the way that I try to deal with that is to just not post about my actual personal life on socials like you know what I mean like I don't post about you know like relationships or or anything I think that it's just not something that I would want to do and that's not necessarily like like a condemnation of like people that do do that I just don't I know that I would not want people to to engage in any sort of discourse about me or something that's happening in my life you know yeah it's interesting I think what you're talking about is just wanting to maintain some level of privacy even as you're putting out very vulnerable tracks that put a lot of your emotions out on the table do you feel like there's a level of protection then in writing about it in music and sharing it that way versus actually coming out and putting out like an essay or a caption that actually specifies (laughs) the breakup yeah absolutely I've heard a lot of songwriters talk about that too that kind of level of protection that 
songwriting affords you just because in music you can be so figurative and you can be so abstract and people people kind of understand that it's not in there they don't have the right to be like you better explain this to me now you know what I mean because it's like it's it's music and you can say things that also just are not true like you can write about experiences that you've never had and I like to do that that's also why I like playwriting I think that it it's just it's generally understood that you can write about these things that that are just not as literal as maybe other other mediums I feel like there are people who know more than me and I really admire the work that they do and so I kind of feel like I I would rather you know use my platform to support them than to kind of like throwing them to like throw my hat in the ring and be like and here's what I think too you know what I mean for me there's also just the concern that I'll say something that I don't agree with like later does that ever translate then into your songwriting and into putting out music like oh I don't want to put this out now because I'm not going to feel the same way later or is it more of just a capsule of the situation you were in at that moment that you wrote the song and put it out I was just listening to someone talking about how a songwriter told them to never write a bitter song. Like you can write about anything else, but bitterness, I I don't remember who was saying this, but that there's something, there's always a more interesting emotion lying underneath bitterness. And so for me, I'm not so concerned with that when writing music, I think, because like, I just feel like as it turns out, I rarely find myself coming from a place of bitterness when I write a song and I think that's because like for me like if I'm writing about like heartbreak or something like I can't do it right as it's happening like it needs to kind of process and then I feel like by the time I do process it I've kind of realized that it's not bitterness or contempt that's making me feel that way but it's kind of you know it might be just a feeling of like um not like it's not self-loathing because I love myself but but that concern that maybe you I think not a concern it's kind of like it ends up coming from a place of self-reflection where I think about how the relationship made me feel and how I behaved in it so I kind of always feel like the songs are always about me. They're not about the people that I was, you know, in a relationship with. And so long as they're about me and about how I am choosing to process the relationship, like it's always going to be true to that moment. And I will always like honor that, you know what I mean? And so I think what I just try to do is never write like a like a diss track but I never feel that inclination anyway because I feel like it sounds a little bit corny if I were to do it I think there's people who who could do it well but I think if I were to write some sort of thing where I'm like fuck you like no one would buy it from me because I don't think I ever really feel just like that fuck you it's kind of like you made me feel really bad and now I feel bad if that makes sense yeah, I think that goes into your single loose fitting bed sheet a lot, mm-hmm. which I know 
kind of coming off the conversation on TikTok, it, it blew up there and it has over a hundred thousand yeah. Spotify streams it now. It does. Which is crazy. It Congrats. hit that yesterday. Oh my God. Thank you so much. Thank yeah. You. That's such a huge accomplishment. Um, but that's actually how I found your music scrolling through my For You thank page you. and being attacked by like another devastating song as oh, happens on TikTok. <laughs> But there's the lyric, the lyric that stood out to me. I think on the TikTok, that actually is the first part of it, but it's later on in the song, but it's like the, I'm always scared that you'll marry someone blonde and I'll go to your wedding. I'll have to watch. I think it's a really powerful (laughs) line. I think what's really interesting in the song is like, all of it is like, I'm scared. I'm going to go. It's never like, you're going to, I guess it's like, it's never a song that's even so much about your relationship with this person, but it's more of like, what you carry with you after it yeah and I think it's like because all we really know in relationships and coming out of relationships is what we carry with us or okay I should I shouldn't be so general with it I think when I was writing that song all I could speak to was how I felt in that relationship I wrote this song when I was 18 and I was very, very like, I also wrote it um, in early 2020, which like, I think a lot of people really struggled with feelings of stagnance. And this was a person that like, I did not have a good relationship with. That lyric that you mentioned at the top of verse two, um, I'm always scared that you'll marry someone blonde. It's literally about being in a relationship with someone who you know doesn't prefer people of your ethnic background. And that's something that I've dealt with being Asian. And I think a lot of Asian people, specifically like Asian women, I think that lyric really resonated with them. And I'm really happy for that. And a lot of them have like DM'd me and been like, hey, like this really speaks to this relationship that I was in. And I think that's such a great thing. Um, But yeah, it's just about my fears, like having been in a kind of a situation like that. And then thinking about like, well, when this relationship is over, you're probably um, not to be blunt with it, but you're going to probably end up with a white woman because you've told me that you prefer white women and you might have a like a baby. And when you have that baby, it's not going to look anything like me. I think that like. I think that there are people who, when it's like, maybe it's like you have a partner that you, that you really loved and then they go off and they break up with you and they have a kid with someone else. But maybe if you guys kind of looked similar, you could look at that baby and like, maybe like on fucking Facebook or something and be like, in your, you know, maladaptive daydream, you're like, he kind of, that baby kind of looks like me, but that can't happen if if the person that you were with leaves you and they never really preferred people of your ethnicity to begin with. And that sounds really, um, it sounds really fucking sad, but also I would like to say on the record, I am no longer in that headspace. So if you're listening at home, please give me a round of applause. I'm in a relationship where I actually feel very good about myself. So I would like, I would like to set the record straight. And I think a lot of people have also said, they're like, this song really reminds me of the relationship that I'm in. And if that is you, you should end it, probably. You know, not to go out on a, on a limb here, but 
you should probably end that relationship because that was not my intention when I wrote the song I was like this is going to be the blueprint for what kind of relationship people should be in so yeah yeah it's like if you relate to this I'm sorry kind of song yeah kind of yeah even when I posted it on TikTok I posted it I had written it years ago and I was like yeah guys I don't feel this way anymore thank you no one is like single-handedly responsible for me feeling that way you know like I'm not trying to point fingers or anything but it's like when I wrote that song I just you know happened to feel that way and those concerns were things that are at the forefront of my mind and I did feel really really stagnant and that's why I had the lyric you know like time wraps around me like a loose fitting bed sheet it moves it moves so it's like it moves but do you move doesn't feel like it but now I feel like it does so I feel like I do rather so yeah <laughs> I've always wondered about that lyric like the time goes on but you still feel stuck where you are is that yeah. what you're trying to convey yeah kind of so I think the imagery of the bedsheet and these were like some of the first lyrics that came to me like I knew the song was going to be called loose fitting bedsheet when I was writing it that the first lyric I think that came to me was the I'm always scared that you'll like at the top of that second verse and then the chorus blank wraps around me like a loose fitting bedsheet it moves god it moves yeah the first chorus is time and I think that imagery of the bed is also kind of important you know like those days that it feels like days pass by and you're like in bed like that kind of situation I feel like and it's like the sheets are around you and time is around you and it moves and it's I I say I just say it moves god it moves I don't say like and I don't move because it's you know I get older I mean I I get older and I think because I get older I was able to kind of gain that perspective that allowed me to reflect and to write that song um even though while I wrote that song, I was still in a relationship, which I mean, if you're, girl, if you're writing Loose Fitting Bedsheet while you're in a relationship, like, what's up? What's up? Were you, but, you um, in that relationship or this was a yeah. different Yeah, <laughs> oh, I was. I was. But um, yeah, and that's, again, that's just a lot of it. A lot of, you know, my discontentment is just from me. It's no one else's doing you know, I just feel that way. And that's how I felt. And so that's why I also like, a, I think a big part of that song, while that song is about a relationship, a lot of it is also just about feeling stagnant. And, you know, it's like they built a new parking lot at the mall is the first, I think the first verse is focused a lot on time. The second verse is focused on that relationship. Um, and I think that kind of makes sense if you like look at the choruses too. <laughs> But um, but it is, you know, about relationships and how they make us feel. And it's interesting hearing that you wrote it while you were still in the relationship, because I yeah. feel like when you're out of a relationship, there's an aspect of like, oh, well, this has changed and you're mm -hmm. not here for us to see it together. Like, yeah. this has gone on without us. And this idea of like, I'd uh, actually in a different in the last episode of the podcast, I talked to Andy DeRusso and something that mm -hmm. we talked about in the episode was this idea so her song call it all off came out i love it yeah i know I it's a great song. song but she i think the opening line was like or it might not be the opening line but one of the lines in the song is like there's some things i'd like to tell you about and a theme in the song is like yeah like there's things that happen now mm -hmm. without you and i'd like to tell you about but i don't know you yeah. like that anymore and honestly like i don't want you to know me like that anymore and that's something that she talked a lot that resonated with me and i feel like yeah. when 
I see some of that theme in the first half of this song of like yeah this distance that's been created between like when you guys were together and when you might have been normal and gone places together versus like things that have changed since then yeah absolutely and because I think also it was a long distance relationship as I'm sure many people who start dating in high school and continue dating into college like experience um and so yeah it's like that kind of that constant um feeling of knowing that somebody that you used to be close with both geographically and you know like emotionally like is somewhere else having experiences without you you talked about how a lot of the song too is being in a relationship with somebody who you know doesn't prefer your ethnic identity and like doesn't see you as like the number one option for them yeah in the song too you then mention like I've been thinking of bleaching my hair and it comes from this place it seems of like wanting to conform to the standard of whiteness or wanting to conform into the idea of like who you think this man wants to be with and how did that impact not not just the relationship but like how did that impact your relationship with your identity as an individual yeah so I actually it's so funny because I think a lot of people don't know this but when I wrote that song I was eight so I said I was 18 but I the year before I had bleached my hair so I was like platinum blonde like for for a while for actually it was cut a little bit short because so basically I did it before my senior year of high school and my high school was like pretty there were like a lot of like blonde people like naturally blonde people at my high school um and so I had done it and then I come back to school and the first week and I'm like wow like I'm not blonde in the way that like these blonde people are blonde and I kind of like I kind of felt like shit I was like whoa like this looks like busted like I because before that I felt like I was like this is so dope and then I I remember just like being in my class and then like seeing looking at everyone that like actually had blonde hair and then just like going in the bathroom and being like that's not my hair is like not that like what am I even doing here and I don't think I ever did it I don't think I was ever conscious of an effort to look white (laughs) you know what I mean to like to like for people to like see me and be like oh she's blonde but I, I I don't I still don't specifically know what it was that influenced me to do that and I don't think it was my relationship because actually the person that I was in a relationship with like really didn't like it and was like really put off by it so I was like wow so I feel like shit about this too you know and so like then I just had like this like bleached hair and I felt like shit and then I I dyed it back and so then I finally I got it back to brown and I've been that way ever since but yeah I don't feel those pressures anymore being out of high school you know like I feel like I'm around people who kind of like share those experiences and are supportive of each other and 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 afford each other the space to kind of you know talk about it was it just moving to a new environment that was what helped the most I actually so I literally go to school in the same city that I went to high school but like the culture of school is very different so um 
it's I think that's been a thing but I also think just like you know a breakup is like a huge thing that kind of will propel you into like a new understanding of who you are and and what you want and what you'll tolerate from people and what you won't I think I'm definitely a better advocate for myself than I was when I was you know I mean, I'm only 20, but when I was 18, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's why I always say like the years between 18 to 22 or 18, well, really any of the years in that like 10 year span of your life are huge. I think you learn so much about yourself from 18 to 19, 19 to 20, 20 to 21, like, and things that you did when you were 18, you would never do now, even if it was just two years ago. I feel like a lot of times you've mentioned like, oh, like I did that when I was 18, but I'm only 20 now. But it's like, that's those are really formative years where you learn a lot about yourself and a lot of growth can happen in those years. So you have a bit, you have a snippet of a song that you put up on TikTok called Crush, which is written after Richard Sykin's poem. You are Jeff from his 2005 book of the same name. So as I've told you, Richard Sykin's my favorite poem, poet, and Crush is just like a book that is so riddled with desire. And Mm -hmm. so you wrote the song after you are Jeff and there's the famous, like you're in a car with a beautiful boy paragraph. Is that what resonated with you or where is the inspiration? That literally is that it's literally that exact stanza. And it's so, I thought like everyone would just like read me to filth when I put that out and like know that that's what I was talking about. But yeah, it's literally about that stanza because there was a period in summer of like 2021 where that was like all I I was like obsessed with that poem and I was also grappling with the fact that I like had feelings for one of my friends who is actually the person that I'm now in a relationship with so it worked it worked out I was obsessed with that piece and yeah it's specifically that last stanza I'm so glad that you knew it was that last stanza but I I was just like this is something that I'm gonna have to basically stomach and live with and never communicate and it's gonna be rough you know but I yeah. but I it worked out for me so good for me yeah because it's like the year it's- in a car with a beautiful boy and like he it's like is it you love him and you you can't tell him or is it he loves you but he won't tell you that he loves you luckily I have the book right next to me stop (laughs) yeah luckily I can go to my bookmark of this no I literally have like a note and I'm like this paragraph just ended me it's like (laughs) it's I like the first time I read it I think I started like bawling I was like this is his I don't know his writing is fucking crazy no, like weirdly enough, that I don't think is one of my favorite poems of him, even favorite in the book. And I, I've mentioned like I love Wishbone to a very unhealthy mm-hmm. extent. Yeah, I literally yeah. considered getting a tattoo of a Wishbone, but That's I decided fire. that I didn't want to be That's... constantly and permanently sure. reminded of like the person that I associate it with. That's very smart. Yeah, that's like, yeah, I'm, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> it's like a signifier of getting through the situation, but it's also like, I want to leave you in the past. I, I thought yeah. about it for a while and I'm glad I didn't do it. Um, yeah. But also like seaside improv hits in this book. Mm-hmm. Cause mm-hmm. I like, I like any kind of writing that has like 
hands emergencies or desire and desperation it sits very oddly Mm -hmm. with me when hands are described as like an entity removed from itself yeah wait about it I love it I've literally thought about this too like well I've thought not specifically the removal of hands as like but like hands and and I mean and like boot theory too like a man takes his sorrow and he's still left with his hands do you know like Damien Rice there's a song called accidental babies by Damien Rice and like I found that song when I was like 11 and like I would just it's I'm like obsessed with that song still and it kind of reminds me of a lot of Richard Sykin's writing just kind of like this this it's you should listen to it it's like kind of long it's like six minutes it's like not that long no I'll listen to um, it it opens I think it's like you held well you held me like a lover sweaty hands my elbow in the appropriate place like there's something Uh, I love that I have such a thing and not not necessarily like oh removing a hand from the body but like a hand as Mm -hmm. its own entity like how it can carry so much weight of like the way that the way that you touch someone or the way that like because I think what it is in like seaside improv is like I take off my hands and I give them to you but you don't want them so I take them back and put them on the wrong way the wrong wrist yes yes yeah I just like I like what I get from that poem is like oh it's like I'll do this for you and like I don't care that you don't want them or if I end up being worse off for it it's like because it's like I'm putting them back and they're on the wrong way it's like I did this for you and you've just thrown it back off of me but it's like you didn't just give it back nicely it's like I'm changed because of it in a way that might be for the worst for me and I just there's something about it that I love it and I I was um I was on a date with somebody in like January we were talking about like poetry and Mm -hmm. uh they asked me to read my favorite poem and I I think I read wishbone but it it applies to seaside improv as well and something they told me they were like did you think that you maybe you gave them something that they never asked for like the line is like oh I give you my hands and you don't want them so you give them back to me yeah but then yeah this person I was seeing like gave me this whole other level of like even though you're giving something to somebody you don't always need to be rewarded or appreciated for it because it's not always like it's not always warranted yeah no and I that's so I literally feel like I follow that same line of thinking whenever I think about that because okay so I do think that that theme is very very I feel like that's a really reoccurring theme and like a lot of like psychin you know what I mean like like I would I would do this for you and it, it it'll fuck me up and it fucks me up and I'll but I still do it for you but I always I I love when when an artist will explore that theme and kind of know that it it doesn't make them a martyr, but it kind of makes them also someone in a relationship who maybe is doing something wrong. It's like you can't give, you know, like all of yourself to somebody when they didn't ask. It puts you in the wrong too. You know what I mean? But I think when we when we are like in love or whatever and we do things like that we don't think about how it puts us in the wrong we're just like look at all the things that I'm willing to give to you and like look how much look at how much of myself I'm willing to give to you and you're bad for not taking it or for not meeting me there but it's like they're not though and that's I think something that we all kind of have to grapple with because I do think that that for some of us that initial impulse is to give so much of ourselves 
but then you take a step back and you realize that they didn't ask you to you know yeah I think that's a big theme too because something that comes up a lot in Saiken is this theme of like oh it's it's about desire it's his most like obsessed work and Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it desire sometimes can I think sometimes desperation can be disguised Mm -hmm. as desire and desperate sometimes sounds like a dirty word but it's not because it's just it's just the strength of a feeling it's like you're I agree yeah but it's like I will give all of this to you that's why I love wishbone so much and I think well part of it I like wishbone a lot too because he flips it around the other side where he's like you saved my life like I owe you I owe you everything and you're like I took the bullet for the wrong reasons like I like I just it's just like an interesting thing it's like I did this so that like I'd have something to hold over you like so that you that you do owe me something like what what is that yeah oh that's the line it says I think I'd rather keep the bullet it's mine I'm not giving up this way you still owe me and that's as good as anything and it's like yeah flipping flipping the script in this poem where it's like well if I can't give you something then like Mm -hmm. I want you to be in a situation where you feel like you have to give something back to me it's like if you're not going to do it willingly then like I'm gonna it's it's like a really weird way I don't know it's this poem I could wrap my head around this poem like a thousand times and yeah. never fully be able to convey articulate what it means yeah. to me I but... feel that way about like all of his poetry like I do feel like there's so much of it that's over my head like I understand it but but you know what I mean like where yeah. you're like this is so much bigger than anything that I have the language for I know I see where the inspiration from Psyche honestly comes back in your music and not just to like circle back to loose fitting bedsheet again mm-hmm. but there's that like aspect of overexerting yourself in a mm-hmm. sense and and even in the song crush that you wrote that you posted on tiktok there is that yeah. aspect of like wanting wanting to overexert yourself but also i'm i'm hesitant to say shame because i don't see you as being shameful or embarrassed but there's that level of like hesitance i don't know like in your music because i see it in like the line of wishbone that's like i'm i I keep asking and you keep owing and I just feel I feel ashamed for for asking you to pay up to your debt or whatever I'm forgetting the exact yeah. line but that's the gist of what he's saying and I feel like in some of your songs too like you're you're saying as well when you write your music like it's so much about like how you feel and less of like writing about the breakup and less of like asking because you know that you're not gonna get anything in return from the person who you're writing about so it might as well just be like okay well let's just get let's just get gone and like I'm not gonna keep I'm not gonna keep asking and asking instead I'm just gonna like write this on my own and kind of have this for myself I, I I think that's really accurate I feel like more often than not we have to give ourselves closure like I, I think most relationships don't end amicably at least in my experience which maybe just means that I'm the problem but I don't think it I don't think it does it's just like I like I I never understood how people could be in in these relationships and then kind of come out of it as friends you know what I mean like I'm I'm like we're not gonna be friends like don't I can't talk to you but I can write about it after I've taken a little time to deliberate on it and then and then put that out 
and that's just for me though like it's never final parting words to someone that I wish I could have said you know what I mean but um so it's like I think a lot of it's giving myself closure and I would imagine that that's why a lot of other writers write how they write um just to kind of in the aftermath try to pick up the pieces and like make sense of it and then and then you can also you have now the benefit of saying well it was good for my art you know which I think a lot of people like to like to justify having um tolerated less than tolerable treatment um because they get to say that it was good for their art but I don't know I wouldn't advise that if you're listening at home <laughs> like don't do that I wouldn't say that I don't do that, but I think it oh, does pose do. a question. <laughs> yeah. Of like, is that healthy? Like, is this a sustainable no. way for us to I... live to keep gathering negative experiences that we have something to write about? I feel like it's like, I think it's okay. Cause honestly, I, it's not like I go out of my way to like look for people that are gonna like do a number on me. Like, I'm not like, oh, you look like you're gonna be so fucking bad to me. Like, I've, <laughs> I better like because it's I think um and especially you know being happy now like I think that um I used to when I was like just like a younger like just like in my teens like think that there was always a sort sort of like level of like suffering or something that was like necessary for a relationship to be passionate and it's just not true like it's the person that you're in a relationship with shouldn't be making you suffer I think you do enough like suffering like on your own just by being a person who like thinks you know what I mean like I am so glad that you said that because (laughs) I don't think anyone else has actually said that to me and I have said that I've said that to my mom I'm a twin (laughs) that's crazy that's so crazy And I remember talking to my mom about this because my mom is always like, relationships should be easy. Like a relationship shouldn't yeah. be hard. And I yeah. think like, and and to clarify my my earlier point too, like I also agree that like, I don't stay in a bad situation to be like, well, at least I'm going to write about this. Like when I'm in it, yeah. I'm not like, yeah. oh, like this is content. No. I think it's when I finally get out of it. Well, I'm like, well, yeah. like at least this is co- like, you know, it's, if anything, yeah. like. And I, and I think honestly, the way that I approach writing is like, I only write when I need to, like, I Mm -hmm. won't just sit down and be like, I'm going to write an essay about my relationship. It's like, it's like something that has to be bothering me or like, yeah, feels like it's going to explode out of me unless I write it down. Like, and so I have to write it down. I think that's where it comes from me in relationships. So I don't just like choose to be in a bad relationship just to get content. Um, it's more of just like a silver lining in the aftermath of the breakup it's like well like you know this is is nice and it feels good oh yeah it also feels good to see your words like it feels good to be able to put words to what you're feeling so like if I end up sitting down and writing a whole piece it's like nice to look at it and be like hmm this encapsulate like this encapsulates the way that I was feeling and I don't have to be so confused in my emotions anymore absolutely and I also think when you share stuff publicly like it's pretty healing to kind of see that other people identify with your lyrics because also I think if you're in a relationship that's kind of isolating like it's really easy to feel like you're fucking like crazy you know what I mean and you're you have like all these like sentiments that you're writing down and you're like but I'm crazy and I'm irrational and I'm the issue and then 
you put it out and people are like, hey, like this actually makes a lot of sense. And this actually like is something that I really identify with. And you're like, oh, well, that's good. So then maybe I think that that's really good to get that feedback and to kind of affirm that you sort of that that your experience is valid, not only valid, but but shared by people that you like really respect, you know? Yeah, I think that's completely true. And also um, back to what you were saying about having this feel like this thought and now being able to see it more clearly being in a, a healthier and happy relationship now, but this thought of like, oh, for a relationship to be real and intense, there has to be some level of torture in it. Like, yeah. not like torture, like torture. Me, but no, like, but you're, no, but you But like, oh, like we're like... tortured, you know, whatever. We're yeah. tortured artists. And, it's so, and, yeah, it's stupid. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I remember like feeling that way a lot as a teenager yeah. because I yeah. a lot of the media that I consumed and the writing that I consumed like I was on Tumblr in 2014 and then oh I was God, consuming absolutely. stuff that was like yeah my <laughs> my inspiration was the 1975 and Arctic Monkeys and then also all like the hashtag depression like hashtag yeah, whatever absolutely. side of Tumblr so I was like yeah. oh, like for for love to be beautiful and real there's an air of suffering in it and that stuck with me and I remember like my Weirdly, my first relationship is the healthiest relationship I've ever been in. My, my first relationship was like, well, it's been downhill from there. Oh, I'm so but sorry. my first relationship was like the nicest person ever. They yeah. were great. Um, but I remember like something that would come up in the relationship sometimes was like, I would question whether the feelings that I had for them and like the love that I had for them was legitimate mm-hmm. because I was like, it's not as intense as things I've felt that have been negative like it was so hard for me to feel a positive feeling so strongly Mm -hmm. for me like I think that too and it's like the highs never match like other lows that you've experienced and then I'm kind of just like I think it's literally just a matter of when you're getting down and you're when you're so down anything that feels okay feels great like I don't know if you've experienced this in relationships you know when you're fighting and they say like we were having such a good day and you're like you're like at a family dinner and you've got your texts up and you're like baby please just listen to me like please just listen to me like you know what I mean like I don't or you're like sending a voice memo and you're like crying and you're like please like I just please just give me one day and it's like when you have moments that are that shitty the good days seem great but then you think about the good days and it's like well what's the good day we I went to your house and I watched you like play a video game like what the fuck are you talking about you know yeah and it's also just like the good day never matches the same intensity as the bad day like the and it was a line of something I just wrote and I was like we keep fighting and I confuse this with passion yeah and that was something that has stuck with me a lot and I think you were saying too it's like the your partner could be like oh we were having such a good day and I've been in the situation I think where they don't even have to say it and yet I still feel guilt for it I'm thinking about like one instance in particular but like where every time we hung out I would just want us to like enjoy each other's company and like have fun together like we would when we would call each other we would when we would talk on like text or talk on the phone and I, whenever we hung out, it always ended up steering into this conversation of like, well, what are we doing? Like, what, what's happening here? And it would take away from any like fun time that we could have together. And it wasn't until after we decided like, hey, we're never actually going to like work out long term and then Mm -hmm. hung out as friends another time where I was like, 
that is the best hangout I've ever had with this person because there was wow. there's still a level of intimacy of like I know you I care about you you know me yeah, you yeah. care about me but like there wasn't like that level of like physical intimacy and there wasn't that level of like man like what's gonna happen like are we gonna do this for real like it all comes back to desperation and I just read that book acts of desperation so desperation is really on my mind yes. but yeah, just this concept of like feeling guilt for quote unquote ruining the day when what you've really done is just express your needs and it caused an argument because you were with someone yeah. who's not willing to meet your needs. You're, I mean, you're also asking for like the bare minimum. Like, I mean, still, you shouldn't feel bad for having wanted, you know, clarification on the nature of the relationship. And I found myself, I mean, and you know, that relationship that I was in like wasn't even technically a relationship for like the later part of it I mean we were still like only seeing each other and it was it was like basically a situationship it like started as a relationship but we like broke up and then we got back together and we like stayed together but I never asked for it to be a relationship because I didn't feel like I like deserved to ask for that you know and I think still now that's something that I struggle with literally just asking for the bare minimum and I think that that's something that shines through in my art um if you you can tell that that that's something that I struggle with as I feel like a lot of people struggle with I shouldn't say the bare minimum now I think I definitely have like higher standards in what I you know look for in relationships and and what I again will tolerate and won't tolerate but but I think I think specifically with a lot of women we feel for some reason like we can't ask to set a boundary or to we can't ask someone to commit and it's like yeah we can though like you can and you should. I, I just don't, I don't know why we feel bad about it. You know, I think it's it's only fair to whoever you're in a relationship with to communicate what you want from them and what you think you deserve. I mean, hopefully whoever you're in a relationship with isn't immediately like not giving you that without you even asking. But it's like, if you think that someone needs to be urged in a certain direction to treat you a certain way, like it's it's only fair to state that but I think a big part of it is that we're all kind of really hard on ourselves and we talk ourselves out of thinking that we deserve things that we deserve you know um but but you don't need to do that and I think a lot of people also back to what we were talking about I think a lot of people enter relationships and they feel like they need not to be punished but but they I don't know I think people are really hard on themselves but it's like you don't need to be punished and you don't need to put yourself through these things because ultimately it doesn't make your love more passionate it doesn't make your life specifically more interesting and it just makes you feel bad in the long run and it kind of you look back on it and, and you'll be embarrassed at what you let people kind of treat you like you know, I mean, I don't, I sometimes look back, I look back on, you know, how people have treated me in the past. And I'm like, that's fucking embarrassing. You know, it's just embarrassing. And there's nothing profound about it. It's just embarrassing that I, well, I'm not like embarrassed. Like it's, I'll proudly admit 
that I have let myself be treated badly by people. I'm not embarrassed of that, but it's like, you just feel bad for that version of yourself, I guess, that um, that got treated like that. It's embarrassing, but not from the point of like, you should be embarrassed. Like, I don't feel embarrassed by the person that I was seeing. Like, I feel Mm -hmm. an embarrassment within myself of like, why did I let that happen to me? But it's also a thing of like, you can't pin yourself against yourself for so long. Like, you have to come to a point where you just have to say, you know what? Yeah, I do some things differently, but I do them differently now because I learned from that. And at the same time, too, like I'm not responsible for the way that other people treat me like that's on them. But it yeah. it, it, it feels embarrassing. And that's a way that I've expressed it for so long. So it's like yeah. I resonate so much with you saying it that in that way. Like, again, I think it comes back sometimes to these feelings of guilt of that's that's how it that's how I see it a lot of like, yeah. you know, of of guilt and regret. Like I regret letting yeah. somebody treat me this way. Has creating music and writing about these experiences, has that helped you get to this place where you wouldn't accept treatment that isn't up to the standard of what you deserve anymore? I think it has. And I've, because it's like, even though I've always been writing music and while I've been writing music, I have, you know, accepted shitty treatment from people and still been writing music all the while. I think putting my music out to the public, I think and 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 saying things like i don't feel this way anymore and i don't accept this anymore i think that's kind of given me a standard to hold myself to because people are now aware more of what you know like that i've been in you know situations like that and that i've now said that i won't or that i'll try not to be so i'm like well now i kind of have to hold myself to that I do think though, I mean, I, I try to be really forgiving of myself and I, I, I recognize that it's like, you know, in the future I could find myself, you know, accepting fucking whatever from people. Cause that's how we, that's just like what we do, you know, like you, you find that you can justify a lot of treatment and, and I don't, I don't think that I'm past that now. I think that I'm really young and that, you know, I I have like a lot to learn but I do I do think that putting my music out on a public platform has kind of helped me hold myself to certain standards but um again you know I I don't know I don't know but I but I think it has largely and I I also think that I now receiving messages from people talking about how that relationship helped them like through a breakup or helped them realize that their relationship was bad. I'm like, well, if people are looking to my music to give them some sort of clarity regarding situations like that, like, I don't take that lightly. And I want to try to put out a message that that doesn't specifically condone accepting bad treatment. With that said, I think as a writer, I'm still going to write about my experiences with that and put them out, but I'm not going to, you know, tell people to model their relationships after it. So I do think that there's a balance to find there, but I think it's just, you know, you take it one step at a time and I'm still finding what works, but I think the way that I'm navigating it now and, and what I hold myself to has been going okay for me. I always think it's just really important to forgive yourself. When you can, try to not bear the weight of of people who have, you know, mistreated you and, and try to just 
give yourself space and give and and recognize that your feelings and your experiences are valid and again if if you like my music because it speaks to the relationship you're in please reevaluate that relationship except it depends on what the song is but (laughs) (laughs) but you know give it a thought and you can leave and you can leave and if you think you'll be happier if you do i bet you will Remember to follow us on Instagram at at flashlight.podcast to stay up to date with future episodes. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.